Hello everyone, and welcome to the March 11th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm David Jimenez with Floyd, Skarin and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A new WCAB panel decision limits the materials that can be handed to an AME during his deposition. Here's what happened in the case of Martin Trapero versus North American Pneumatics. In 2000, Mr. Trapero sustained an admitted industrial injury. The parties used multiple AMEs to resolve the case, including Dr. Thompson, as their AME in orthopedics. After the evaluation was complete, applicant's attorney noticed Dr. Thompson's deposition. Just before the deposition began, applicant's attorney handed defense counsel a vocational evaluation report. The report was then presented to Dr. Thompson after the deposition began. When applicant's attorney attempted to ask the doctor to take a look the report, at the report, the defense objected. Later, the defendant filed a petition to strike Dr. Thompson's report and deposition, alleging that applicant's attorney violated Labor Code Section 4062.3. The WCJ denied the petition, concluding that there was nothing wrong with handing the vocational report to the AME just before the deposition. The State Compensation Insurance Fund filed a petition for reconsideration. The WCAB panel agreed with the state fund and reversed the workers' compensation judge and returned the case to the trial level for further proceedings. The board held that if the vocational report is a non-medical record relevant to determination of a medical issue as described by Labor Code Section 4062.3A2, subdivision C, states that if an AME is selected as part of their agreement on an evaluator, the parties shall agree on what information is to be provided to the AME. Here, in springing the vocational report on defense counsel, when the AME was about to be deposed, applicant's attorney denied defense counsel the opportunity to determine if this new information was something that he would agree to provide to the AME. The information that is to be provided to the AME must be agreed upon by the parties as part of their agreement on an evaluator. The statute makes it clear that providing information to the AME is nothing that is casual, but actually something that goes to the heart of the AME agreement. In reaching this conclusion, the WCAB said it was mindful that the impartiality and appearance of the impartiality of the medical evaluator, whether an AME or PQME, is paramount. And now for our fraud report. 51-year-old Maria Arietta Victorville has been charged with multiple counts of workers' compensation insurance fraud and perjury. In 2010, Arietta was injured at McDonald's Hamburger Restaurant. She was treated for burns to her hands and released to return to work. Sometime later, Arietta filed a fraudulent workers' compensation claim alleging that she slipped and fell at work while removing a case of meat from the freezer on the same day she had injured her foot. However, she made no mention of this foot injury to the physician who was treating her burnt hand. And approximately nine days before, this, before the incident, Arietta had been seen by her primary care physician and told him that she had sustained her foot injury at home and not at work. Bad Arietta. Arietta was ultimately diagnosed with a non-work-related medical condition for which she is seeking workers' compensation benefits. Arietta was examined by PQME, by QME in podi podiatric medicine. The, key, the PQME submitted EDD paperwork indicating a non-work-related injury. The District Attorney's Office Workers' Compensation Insurance Fraud Unit filed criminal charges against Arietta for knowingly filing a fraudulent workers' compensation claim to obtain benefits for a non-work-related injury. 
Arietta was taken into custody at the Santa Ana WCAB while awaiting a hearing in her case. Arietta is scheduled to be arraigned in April in Victorville Superior Court. If convicted, as charged, she faces 19 years in county prison. 36-year-old Rafael Davis, a former Los Angeles City firefighter and mixed martial arts fighter, was sentenced to probation after he paid $30,000 in restitution and completed 200 hours of community service for filing a false workers' compensation insurance claim. Davis pleaded guilty in September to filing the false workers' comp claim in 2008 during the same time he was participating in mixed martial arts fights as the noodle. After placing Davis on probation for three years, Superior Court Judge David Horowitz reduced his felony conviction to a misdemeanor despite the Deputy District Attorney's objection. And in medical news, a new study says that only about a third of patients surveyed at one U.S. medical center said their doctors told them about the possible risks of a CT scan. Researchers who published their findings in JAMA Internal Medicine also found that most patients thought their doctors made the final decision to have the scans. The new study is consistent with previous research that found people are unaware of the radiation risks posed by CT scans. CT scans are high-powered x-rays that provide clearer images but expose patients to between 10 and 100 times as much radiation as a normal head or chest x-ray. Researchers from the University of Colorado Medical Campus in Aurora surveyed nearly 300 patients getting a CT scan at the Denver Veterans Affair Medical Center. Only 35% said they discussed the risks of a CT scan with their doctors, and 62% believed the final decision to have the scan was made by the doctors. Only 17% of the patients said they were involved in the decision-making process and discussed risks and benefits with their doctors. But even when doctors were discussing the potential risks, their patients ended up being no more informed than people who did not talk with their healthcare providers. One study from the National Cancer Institute estimated there would be about 29,000 future cancers related to scans done in one year alone. Americans have about 72 million total CT scans per year, which can cost from a few hundred dollars to several thousand dollars. And in regulatory news, details are emerging about AB 1309, a proposed law that would limit the ability of out-of-state professional athletes to file workers' compensation claims in California. The California Insurance Guarantee Association, or SEGA, is the entity that pays workers' compensation claims when workers' comp insurance companies become insolvent. California employers, not just professional sports teams, pay into SEGA. SEGA told legislatures who introduced the bill that California residents account for only about 370 of its nearly 1,900 claims from professional athletes. And the number of SEGA claims from retired athletes is growing at an alarming rate, 34 per month as of December. SEGA had to add four claim adjusters to handle the influx of athletes' claims. And SEGA pointed to several issues that should alarm lawmakers, employers, and workers. Athletes who played only one day in California or suited up but sat on the bench can receive workers' compensation from California Workers' Compensation System. Athletes can file claims whether or not they were injured on a California field or court. An athlete who last played 20 or 30 years ago is not barred from filing a claim today under California law. 
The current SEGA deficit hovers at $2 billion. Yes, that's with a B. California employers, not just sports teams, paid $78 million toward reducing that deficit last year. Since 2002, SEGA has paid $42 million in claims to professional athletes. The cost of processing the claims was $1 million a year. The largest number of claims come from Texas and Florida, states favored by wealthy athletes because, unlike California, they impose no state income tax. The WCAB has issued a notice of public hearing regarding proposed amendments to its rules of practice and procedure. The public hearing is scheduled for 10 a.m. Tuesday, April 16th in the Santa Barbara Room basement level of the Hiram Johnson State Office Building, 455 Golden Gate Avenue in San Francisco. Members of the public may also submit written comment on the proposed rules amendments until 5 p.m. that day. Public comment will begin promptly at 10 a.m. and will conclude when the last speaker has finished his or her presentation. Testimony will be limited to 10 minutes per speaker and should be specific to the proposed regulations. If public comment concludes before the noon recess, no afternoon session will be held. Although equal weight will be accorded to oral and written comments, the WCAB prefers written comments to oral testimony and prefers written comments submitted by email. If written comments are submitted, by the deadline of April 16th, no later than 5 p.m., it is not necessary to present oral testimony at the public hearing. These changes are largely being proposed in light of Senate Bill 863. The WCAB's notice of the proposed rulemaking, the text of the proposed regulations, and the initial statement of reasons have been posted online. The WCAB will consider all timely public, public comments, and it encourages all interest members of the workers' compensation community to participate in this important process. SB 626, a proposed law that would roll back some of the employer's benefits as a result of SB 863, has been placed on 2013 California Chamber of Commerce job killer list. Each year, the Cal Chamber releases a list of job killer bills to identify legislation they say will decimate economic and job growth in California. And SB 626 has been identified as the first job killer bill of the year. SB 626 severely undercuts the recent balanced workers' compensation reform deal agreed to by labor unions and employers. The bill proposes dramatic cost increases for California employers and would leave them worse off than before the reforms of last year were enacted. Specifically, SB 626 would roll back reforms dealing with timely, high-quality medical treatment, and more predictable and less litigious permanent disability system. It repeals a provision in SB 863 that eliminates impairment ratings for psychiatric add-ons in some, but not all, cases. It repeals a provision in SB 863 that prohibits a chiropractor from being a primary treating physician once the maximum number of chiropractic treatments have been received. Last year, 32 bills identified as job killers were introduced in the California legislature. These job killer bills had something for every business and industry in California to hate. Automatic mid minimum wage increases, increases employer liability, new barriers to economic development, more regulations, and higher taxes on business. In 2012, the Cal Chamber claims to have, a, have stopped 28 of these jo 32 job, killer, job killers. <laughs> But this year, they may have a tougher job facing a new supermajority of Democrats in both houses of the state legislature. Many of last year's bills were defeated by veto of Governor Brown. 
This year, his veto can be overcome by the supermajority of the le legislature. Employers say that if passed into law, SB 626 is a giant step backward for California employers during the current fragile economic recovery. An Arizona House committee has approved SB 1148, already passed by the Arizona Senate. The law would limit the ability of professional athletes residing in Arizona from filing for workers' compensation in other states. If passed, Arizona would join a number of states that have passed reciprocity statutes that require workers who are temporarily working in another state to file an industrial claims in their home state, provided that the other state has a similar reciprocity statute. And California does have a reciprocity statute specified in Labor Code Section 3600.5. A total of 28 states have similar reciprocity statutes. Theoretically, professional athletes or other temporary employees injured in any of those states would be required to file for workers' compensation benefits in their home state. If Arizona concludes the passage of SB 1148, they would be the 29th. Arizona Republican Senator John McMomish, who sponsored the bill in the Senate, says that professional teams came to him with concerns that professional athletes are filing claims in California because there's more lenient rules for so-called cumulative injuries. But lawyers for the NFL and Major League Baseball Players Unions told the House Commerce Committee that players rejected both leagues' efforts to get language in recent collective bargaining agreements banning the practice and are now trying to do it legislatively. Nona Lee, Senior Vice President, General Counsel, Arizona Diamondbacks, and Rob Dellinger from the Arizona Cardinals Football Club testified in favor of SB 1148. The bill passed the Arizona Senate on a 6-1 to one vote. The law would apply to claims made after the date of passage regardless of the date of injury. And in other news, Comp West Insurance Company has announced the appointment of Gene Simpson as Vice President of Underwriting and Marketing. Simpson recently joined CompWest's senior management team and is responsible for company-wide underwriting and marketing practices. Mr. Simpson will coordinate the development and implementation of company underwriting and marketing programs, manage and direct the execution of all sales plans and production initiatives and the research strategy and implementation of new markets. Mr. Simpson most recently served as Vice President of Workers' Compensation Product Management for Seabright Holdings Incorporated. Prior to that, he served as Vice President of General Liability and Product Line Manager for Liberty Mutual Insurance and for 11 years in a variety of capacities for Safeco Insurance Company, including Assistant Vice President of Product Development, Assistant Director of Workers' Compensation Commercial Manager of National Programs and Commercial Underwriter of Multi-Line and Workers' Compensation. Simpson graduated from Western Washington University with a Bachelor of Science in Applied Mathematics and holds the designations of Chartered Property Casualty Underwriter and Certified Insurance Counselor. He sounds qualified. J. Michael Nolan has announced his retirement as President of the Oakland-based California Workers' Compensation Institute. The Institute's Board of Directors has named Alex Swedlow, CWC's Executive Vice President, for research as his successor. Tom Rowe, President and CEO of State Compensation Insurance Fund and Chairman of the CWCI Board, extended his appreciation to Michael for all his contributions to CWCI, its members, and the California workers' compensation system. 
Under Michael's leadership, the CWCI has remained an indispensable resource for its members and the industry. Mr. Nolan joined the Institute in June 2001 as successor to former President Ed Woodward. His career in the insurance industry spans more than 40 years, including 10 years at Argonaut Insurance, where he served as Senior Vice President, General Counsel, and Secretary. During his time with the Institute, Mr. Nolan served on a number of government and private advisory committees, including working groups of the California DWC, the Commission on Health and Safety and Workers' Compensation, the Department of Insurance, the WCARB, and the RAND Corporation. Following his retirement from CWCI and his short sabbatical, Mr. Nolan intends to re-enter the workers' compensation industry or corporate regulatory law field. Effective April 2nd, Mr. Swedlow will become the fourth president at CWCI in almost 50 years. Mr. Swedlow formally joined CWCI in November 2000 as Executive Vice President of Research. Prior to that, Mr. Swedlow was an independent consultant to the CWCI. Well, that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for our news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm David Jimenez, a partner with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and drop by again next week for more news.